0: what's going on everybody this is the unguided podcast i am your host big daddy riley and unfortunately your co-host is uh he's out of town this weekend he went back home to chicago he's hanging with the boys he's doing his own thing so i'm gonna run a solo pod your guys got his pod we're gonna do our thing man today we got an interesting fella i've known this guy my entire life we grew up together we played sports against each other he's just a real interesting dude and i've been trying to get him on the podcast for a while you know he's had a lot go on in his life he's dealt with a lot of different adversities and it's just time to tell his story and he wants to tell a story so without further ado we have taylor day aka king fit chef what's going on man
1: hey hey jake how you doing man
0: Good man, just living the dream down here in Dallas, Texas. You down there at your guys's uh condo in Florida. How's that going on down there?
1: I am, man. It's beautiful. It's home. It's my it's been my second home since I was born and it just feels good to be here. Got the waves rolling, I'm looking out the window and just feeling just feeling the overall presence of my higher power, man. Just feeling really calm and and serene and just just right in the element, man.
0: Man, you have a you have a you have an interesting story. I mean, you grew up just like me involved in sports. You were really, really good in sports. And after high school, you know, it kind of took a different turn, you know, and we'll get we'll get to talking about that a little later down the road. But, you know, growing up, give everyone a, a view on how your life was, because you, you got a hell of a dad. You got an awesome mom. Um, and how, how was that growing up for you?
1: I mean, I have no regrets of my childhood. It was picture perfect. Two loving parents, a loving sister who, uh, you know, pursued her, her dreams and aspirations. And uh, I just had the perfect childhood. Just, I, I always had a ball in my hand. I played every single sport known to man. And and I just I just lived the dream. And I couldn't ask for a better childhood. I, I had no issues as a child, man. I just uh just living the dream and uh you know hanging out with friends and and playing sports I mean ball was my life that's all I knew from a young age was just sports I just was a you know I I had I had to win at all costs when I was young man and and, uh, I just I just loved to compete and that that's that's pretty much my whole childhood was having the ball in my hand man it doesn't matter what the sport was, was I was competing
0: yeah that's and that's it was funny like growing up like you know you went to west burlington i went to burlington commuted high but growing up you know we played on different teams and that was always the goal was to beat you and dusty and blake and jake dewald and all those guys like you guys were the team to always beat. and we were so pissed when we could never beat y'all you know what i mean and it was just one of those rivalries and it was a it was an awesome it was an awesome rivalry you know um and then we finally grew up you know you came over and you played baseball on our side of the town and you know you played all-stars with us and and all that great stuff like that and then high school took off and kind of really everybody kind of you know kind of went their own ways like i said we went to two totally different public schools um but you know your family's in the restaurant business. That's how you got that King Fit Chef. You're a you're a, a, extremely obsessed with working out. You're obsessed with cooking. You know how how did that name King Fit Chef come along?
1: I mean, uh, it's actually my best friend, the Fit Nurse. He he gave me that nickname when we were training one day. You know, I, I've been a you know I've been an athlete my whole life, and I have a personal training license, so I'm a personal trainer on one side and my dad's been a chef his whole life he owned five restaurants at one point now he says his best one but I've just always grown up in his shadow wanted to be just like my dad so my nickname was always kind of chef and then it just put the two together fit chef and you know my dream is to be a restaurateur and to take my dad's legacy and and uh and grow it into what I think it could become and that, that's just like how I got my nickname and everyone my best friend I mean when we're training he's just let's go fit chef let's go fit chef so it just kind of stuck with me and now I got it tattooed on my forehead. It's just it's just my way of life now. It's 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 not really a name, nickname, it's a way of life for me.
0: It's a it's more or less a it's more or less your brand, is exactly what you're trying to say.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: And, and you got, and we'll talk a little bit more about your tattoos and stuff and, and kind of going back to your dad, you know, I, I love your dad. Wally's a hell of a dude. He's a one of a kind man. I, and we did play ch- with each other on the Gators team back in sixth grade. And I mean, your dad's always had that winner mentality, kind of like how you are. Was there ever pressure growing up from your dad and, and being the only son? Because obviously you have a sister, but it's only you two and um, was there any pressure from your dad growing up and, and trying to follow in that footsteps or how, how did that come about?
1: Yeah, I mean, my whole entire family, from uncles to cousins that were all division one athletes and even one of my uncles played in the NFL, you know my dad played college at the University of uh, northern Iowa. you know i I was just bred to to play football and basketball and baseball you know that was that was my life and uh, you know I just wanted to make my dad proud as a kid, you know sometimes you know i felt like i could never be good enough because he always pushed me to be my best and you know i know i'm never going to be perfect as a kid but i would always strive for perfection you know there might have been times when i scored you know 30 points in a basketball game but all my dad would tell me is you know you had six turnovers you know he and he he, he drove me to he drove me to become you know the man that i am today and you know i he, i respect my dad more than anything in this world he he's one of the best people i've ever known in my life and he he is my hero for sure
0: and is, is that kind of the same way in the restaurant business? I mean, your dad's a pretty own well guy from where we're from. and It's got to be probably the same way in the, you know, the restaurant. It, it doesn't, I could imagine it right now, knowing Wally and the kind of man he is. It's not how good that steak was that you prepared or that dish, but here's a little bit something differently that you could have made it to be a little bit better. Is it kind of the same way in that aspect?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's almost like in the restaurant business, it's almost like a sport every time, every time we show up, suit up and show up for work. And once those doors open, I mean, that's why I love the restaurant business so much is because you're competing against yourself. I mean, you got tickets hanging to the floor and you got 350 guests in the restaurant. You got to crank out, you know, 50 orders, you know, it's, it's just, it's just a definitely a fun environment that I've, that I've been raised in. I've, I've done everything from dishwash to general manage. So, you know, that's, that's just what I've been bred to do. And, you know, my dad was a great role model and he's a great businessman. You know, he's very humble, you know, he doesn't brag and boast. He just does his own deal and he stays in his lane. And, you know, he truly, he truly is an exceptional man an exceptional businessman for for that being said, you know?
0: Yeah. And so you kind of, you know, like you're saying athletes, you know, in, in your family, you know, you got another cousin right now. He's currently at the university of Memphis, correct? Drake's at Memphis right now.
1: Yeah, I, Drake at Memphis, and he's he's actually looking to transfer uh, somewhere else to look for better opportunities. And my cousin Ben, he's the uh, assistant wrestling coach. He played for the University of uh, Iowa, or he played for Iowa State Uni- University in college. So uh, I'm pretty tight knit with my cousins, and we're very competitive when it comes time to like Christmas and shit. I mean, we got the ball out, and we're we're playing pretty much uh, uh, battle of the fittest, and uh, during our holiday times, it's, it's quite the uh, entertainment.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, I know how it is in my family, so I I can only imagine what it is. So, you know, you kind of taken on that role. You know, you spoke earlier about your sister getting in the model industry. She was, she did a couple of different um, things, didn't she, growing up for, was it Playboy or was it a different magazine or what?
1: Yeah, I mean, she was, I think she was, I don't know if she was Miss Iowa or she, she was something in like the beauty pageants and maybe like in the Miss Universe thing. And then you know, her modeling career t- took hold and she moved to New York city at a young age. And, you know, she was living with Cameron Diaz at one point and she was, she was doing the deal. And, uh, you know, she was the AOL's hottest bartender. She was, um, she wasn't playboy. She was, she was doing the deal. She's not, she even has features like she's a, an extra in the dark Knight Batman movie. And, you know, she, she's definitely had a successful career and, you know, now she's a stay at home mom, mother of two, And you know, awesome, my awesome nephews, you know what I mean? And, she definitely lived a, a fulfilling and amazing life, and I definitely look up to my sister you know she she has a lot of insight on on what life is really about there's really not much that she hasn't done
0: yeah and and you know going on from that and talking about talking about the pressure you know you get out of high school. Um, obviously it's everybody's dream to play division one. I'm sure you probably had a, maybe a couple of opportunities to go somewhere with the connections you had, but I think you ended up settling at going to an NAIA school at Iowa Westland. And I know that didn't really turn out the way you wanted it to. What kind of happened along the way there that detoured you from your path of getting to that D one level? I mean, um, what, what really went on in that situation?
1: I mean, the competitive side of me, you know, my whole entire life, I, I, I was, you know, not from an ego standpoint. I, I, I've never met a better all-around athlete than myself. You know, I, that was just a mentality that I had. It, it didn't matter what the sport was. But I, I believe that I competed at the highest level. And, uh, you know, just to get raw and real with you, Jake, I mean, uh, I had a very, 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 very troubled life in high school. Um, I never completed an entire season in any sport ever. And that was a big, big reason due to my mental health. You know, my mental health. You know, I have two major diagnoses, uh, and I've been battling with it my whole entire life: uh, bipolar disorder and schizoaffective disorder. And uh, it's really took me down a dark path. And you know, I could have, I could have, I, I think I would be in the NFL right now if if I would have, if I wouldn't have had to battle these these ailments. Uh, you know, and I never really got a true shot at playing uh, college sports because my my mental health took a a turn for the worst and I was in and out of psych wards and jails and institutions from, from about the age of 15. And, uh, you know, like I said, I never completed a whole season in high school. I was always missing out because I was in major depressions in the psych wards. And, you know, my excuse was that I had mono, 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 because it was kind of frowned upon you know, to have, to have a mental illness going through all this shit, you know?
0: Right. And, and that was, that was a thing that i said earlier about how, you know, we got to high school and we really didn't even talk much anymore. You know, I, 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 probably didn't really talk to you at all in high school and you just, you never know what's really going on and what people are really personally battling. But for someone like you, that was good growing up and for someone of your statute to not even, you know, be an all conference player, all state, or really an all district player, it just didn't really make sense. But you know, a lot of people don't know what other people are dealing with. And you said that kind of started out at, at 15. And for, for people there that don't really know what's what mental disabilities are and the demons that people have to go through, what were the early stages that you were noticing at 15? Were you getting mad? Were you, uh, you couldn't control what you were feeling, your emotions, what, what was, what did it all lead to, to where it finally, you finally had to say, okay, something's wrong. What was your first step?
1: Oh, man, it, it's, quite, it's been quite the journey, man, thinking back to when I was 15. And, and uh, you know, like I said, I was, you know, pretty much the superstar at my school in the, in the athletes and in the school in the school district 4.0 student, you know, um, at 15, I crashed for no apparent reason. I was suicidal and I had this dark, looming depression over me for no reason. There was nothing wrong in my life. Everything was going exactly perfect. I had the, you know, the hottest girl in high school was my girlfriend. You know, I'm playing varsity sports at my freshman freshman year of high school. And I just would crash into these dark depressions for weeks, even months at a time where I was catatonic. I couldn't even speak. All I could think about was suicide. And I had no, I had no clue what was happening to me. And I was going from doctor to doctor. It started with family doctor, Dr. Boyd, you know, Tim's dad. Yeah. And uh, he was trying to help me the best that he could. You know, giving me antidepressants, this and that here, and nothing was helping until I finally would snap out of it. But it it probably happened maybe three or four times when I was uh, my freshman year of high school during the school year. I would just crash into these dark, dark, dark depressions for no apparent reason. And I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what mental illness was. I'm, I'm suicidal at 15 and I, I i didn't know what to think man it was, it was a very scary time for me man
0: and and that's and that's and you made a you made a perfectly good statement earlier i mean you had everything going for you i mean you you grew up in a good structural house home you your parents made really good money they they ha- had you guys in a good school district i mean you were good at sports that your parents put you through all the top elite um camps that you could possibly go to and it's just wild to see someone like you just turn in a mood swing and go totally opposite. And, you know, it brings me to my next point point. you can answer this question or not. You know, I noticed, you know, you went from being, I would say with all due respect, you weren't a very big guy, but you went from being very, very small to big. I mean, did, did steroids ever have a play in that? Did you ever take any performing enhancing things or did you just grind and, and work your ass off to get that big?
1: You know people people give me shit about this all the time you know and uh, to be honest honest to god's truth hand on the bible i've never done steroids in my entire life you know but i would do anything possible from the gnc's the pre workouts, the uh the test boosters the the protein the creatine the bcas i was doing all that shit from that time you know i was always small undersized and uh, i didn't hit my growth for it till i was about 19 years old after high school I went from like a buck 80 to 220 a solid muscle my freshman year of high school, or freshman year of college. You know, I, I hit my growth spurt late, which was unfortunate because I was always kind of picked on and stuff. You know, I was a good athlete but I was undersized always. I was tall but I was skinny, man, and, and it just it just ate me up cuz I would get picked on and made fun of and stuff for being, you know, lean and lanky, you know, and uh, I just was so determined in the weight room to just to get as big as possible. So, you know, no one could give me shit anymore. And, you know, I still, I'm still big to this day. I'm 230 pounds and, you know, I can bench pretty much 400 pounds and, you know, squat 500. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just an animal. And I've always had that in the back of my mind that, you know, I'm a, I'm a little man syndrome. Like I've always felt small, no matter how big I get, I feel small in the mirror, which is trippy.
0: Right. And, you know, and that's, that was going to be my next question was is taking all those supplements, even though you didn't take steroids, but you take, all that creatine and stuff like that. And, you know, I mean, I I was fortunate enough. I did play at the division one level and I seen all those guys taking that stuff, not steroids, but I see some, some things that were a hundred percent banned by NCAA. And those guys would just be nuts. Mood swings, just pissed, like depressed, very, very awkward at parties. And do you think that played a part in any of your, I know you said you started at 15, but you, there had to have been something that kicked in. I mean, were you taking all those supplements at fifteen that maybe maybe triggered that or was this after fifteen years old when you started taking that stuff?
1: Oh, uh, I've been taking those supplements since I was like thirteen years old and it okay. definitely plays a part. My my parents say that the supplements are, are the one of the biggest precursors to having my manic or depressive episodes. You know, they they think that's the fuel to the fire. They think that it ignites it. You know that those substances, man. There's no regulation on any of that shit. You know, they they have no idea what the fuck's in those uh, proprietary blends and whatnot. You know, I I probably was taking meth at a young age. You know, amphetamines and all right. that kind of shit. Right. It definitely fucked me up for sure.
0: And and I I have never. I never got into that, man. I never really was into it. Um, always a high-energy guy, but you know what? I did take some pre-workout stuff, you know, just because I've had some surgeries lately on my back. And, dude, I'll tell you what, that that pre-workout stuff is no joke. I mean, it feels like whenever you walk around and you see somebody that's cracked out or methed out, I mean, like, that's what I felt like on it, and I didn't like the feeling of it. So I can def- definitely see from your perspective, if you're taking that at a young age, 13, 14, normally when people are going through – their puberty and everything like that—how it could totally screw something up. So now we're transitioning. You know, you get to your college days of you know playing football, and you said you really never got a fair chance at playing um, college football because you were going through all this depression and these demons that you were battling with um, while in high school. That honestly, I'll tell you what, Taylor—I've known you for twenty plus years, and I didn't even know you were going through all that. And it's good to finally get out and talk about this stuff. And I'm glad that we can talk about this stuff. But, you know, um, when you got to college, did you kind of feel the same? Did you were you still kind of doing your same old bullshit of taking the supplements, trying to get big, having this crazy work ethic to where you didn't really care if you hurt yourself or hurt other people or put yourself in danger? Because I know there was a time where you, you were, I think. We're at at one time at for um Iowa Westland weren't you like preseason all american or something like that
1: Yeah man uh, I was a starter as a freshman I played a wide receiver but you know what Jake uh, you know that's I'm manic depressive I have the depressions and the manic sides now and that's when I was about 18 that's when the mania started and let me tell you what man those manias are no freaking joke they're they're the scariest things I've ever experienced in my entire life and that's when my manias really started happening and, uh, you know, I just get, you know, grandiose. I would get delusional. I would get, you know, so godlike and so powerful in my manias that there wasn't anything that I couldn't do. And I felt like and that, that played a, a role. But uh, I, I flunked out of college when I was playing football at Iowa Westland. I, I scored a touchdown, my first offensive play I ever did. And it was just downhill from there, man. My manic, my manic episode took over. And I was just a shot of cannon and and I was just a a danger to myself and others. And I got several DUIs, several drug possessions, and and I really was getting in trouble with the law. And uh, it was just I was headed down a dark, dark, dark path. And, and, you know, the manias are no freaking joke. If anyone has bipolar, they know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and I was going to say for
0: people that don't have bipolar or mania episodes like you were talking about, kind of give a, from what I'm understanding, it, just from doing research, um, before this podcast and kind of listening to your story it's episodes to where if I come to you, Taylor, or you Taylor, come to me and I say, hey, bud, I don't care who you are, what you can do, I can do anything you put from. If there's a train coming at me, hundred miles an hour, I'm gonna physically stop that with my hand. Just basically feeling you're God and you have all the power. Is that kind of how I'm understanding that? Just feeling like you're invincible type deal? Like give us give us an give us, a, give us an example as to a time that you felt that way or the many times you felt that way, but probably one of the biggest times you've ever felt that way in your life with those types of episodes. So people at, at yeah. home that understand. It, that don't understand it can get a better idea of, as to what that means
1: yeah man uh, i've had probably 30 or 40 manic episodes since i was 18 and it, it's been very 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 uh very negative uh impact on my life and the, the manic episodes it's, it's very confusing you know what i mean it's just it's unlimited energy it's uh, grandiosity and many people that are bipolar think that they're god or they're the messiah and so i have this long embedded psychosis that still is here to this day that I'm Jesus. Like, no one can tell me not. Like, even in Sandy, I'm 100% sane right now. I'm 100% sober, living my best life, feeling really good, feeling very sane. But I've had so many delusions that I was God in my past history 30, 40 times. Like, I've done ECT, been in psych wards for months on end. No one can tell me that I'm not Jesus to this day. And I, from a humble standpoint, like, you know, from the most humble part of my life and in my heart, you know, I still have this delusion that I'm a higher power, that, that I'm here to, you know, to make Satan repent. And, and it's very confusing, spiritual warfare, because bipolar is a very spiritual, spiritual thing, because, you know, you, you get mixed up in demonic stuff. You get mixed up in the spirituality and, and just that, that high intensive, you know, my manias were so severe that I would get delusional and schizoaffective. So a lot of people don't have that schizoaffective side of things, but I do. So basically in my manias or in my major depressions, I become schizophrenic. So I hear things, I see things that aren't there. And, uh, you know, it's really, really fucked my life up. And, uh, you know, but, you know, I'm grateful for my illness today because what I've been through is, is making me the man I'm becoming. And, uh, you know, I've been through, I don't want sympathy. I don't want, I don't want people to say poor me. I just want to hopefully, you know, transform my life and get this beast under control and hopefully help the next guy out that, that, that suffers from something similar to me and just be, just be a beam of light. Just let that power flow through me and, and hopefully help the next guy out, you know?
0: Yeah. And what type of, you know, impact has this had on your mom and dad, who's been very supportive of you through your whole life? Um, I would imagine they've obviously, cause I see pictures of you and your dad golfing and stuff like that. They've obviously been there, but those gotta be your biggest cheerleaders still to this day. Are they not? Or.
1: Oh my God. If it wasn't for my mom, I swear to God, she is an absolute saint. She's chased me all around this country, saving my life over and over and over again. When I was, you know, in those manic episodes and you know, I owe, I owe my mom and dad my life. You know what I mean? And I just want to make them proud and, and live a sane, sound life, a, a humble life. And, you know they're my biggest support, and it's been very, very rocky. You know they they they've been through the gates of hell. They've probably been through more hell than what I've been through trying to trying to save me. Because there was times where they wished I was uh, they would have been happier if I was dead because they would have they would have been able to sleep at night during my manic episodes when I'm running around crazy, completely out of my mind. You know, doing God knows what. You know,
0: and they is can that, sleep is, tonight. Is that yeah, the scariest part about? The episodes that you get is not knowing your next move because you could be fine one min one minute and then the next minute you're robbing somebody or hurting somebody. Is that kind of the scariest part of what you're going through?
1: Yeah, I'm the you know sane and sober me. I'm like the kindest kindest person. You know, I love people and and you know I, I care about people genuinely. But when I hit those manic episodes, I'm so egocentric with an inferiority complex. I I I, I crush the people that love me and I hurt everyone that's close to me. You know, I've lost relationships, you know, the mother of my child, you know, and she just couldn't hang on anymore. You know what I mean? I just I just did too much damage and had too many manias that, you know, she loved me to death, but she just couldn't go through with it anymore. And I've never had any successful relationships because of my illness, you know. But Patricia in high school, my high school sweetheart, had to leave me because of my manic episodes. Alex, mother, my child had to leave me because of my manic episodes, and it's just heartbreaking. Because I, at this point in my life, I feel like I have no one. But at the same time, I'm I'm doing well, and I'm I'm sober, and I'm sane, and I'm on my meds, and I'm doing everything that's required of me to live a sane and sober life. And you know, I'm starting to rebuild and make amends and rebuild those relationships. So I'm very optimistic about the future, and it just warms my heart knowing that there are people in my life that still give a shit. And that I, I can't wait to rebuild those connections with because it's all about successful relationships in my life. I don't care about anything else, but to love the people that love me and and to love unconditionally, man, that's that's what it's all about for me.
0: Yeah. And you're going to find, you know, everyone goes through that, those tough times. You know, um, we talked a little bit before starting this podcast. You know, I had a little bit of um, alcohol that I was going through where I was a, I was very, very. Um, going through some tough times and, you know, the ones that love you are going to stay by you, you know what I mean? And if you keep doing what oh, you're yeah. doing, man, your parents have never left your side, your sister's still by your side, and there's going to be a special someone that sees you for you and they're going to be there all along the way. So you keep doing what you're doing. And I can promise you, you know, you're going to find somebody, but you know, you transition when you see yourself on Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat, you know, you do a lot of rapping and you, and you do a lot of weightlifting. Are those kind of the two things that you know you can? Those I would say those are your comfort zones. And you know, when you're singing and rapping, you know, you're kind of letting your mind free and go, and whatever's coming to your head, that's you're saying it out loud. Is that kind of the same way in the gym, and and why you like to lift, and why you got your name, Fit Chef? Um, yeah, tell us a little bit about got, that.
1: Yeah, I gotta be completely honest you part of my uh manic uh my manic episodes and just by my delusions bipolar delusions is i think when i'm when i'm bipolar and in the manias i think that everyone can hear my thoughts and can hear everything that i say and do that i'm almost being filmed 24 7 so i think that everyone already knows what i believe that little wayne like he's my he's my biggest idol i named my daughter eloise her nickname's wheezy after wayne you know like uh i think that little wayne knows all my thoughts and i and i still to this day I can't differentiate the true from the false and I've always thought that little Wayne was a prophet and that he was finding he was finding Jesus and I thought that was me so I've known I've memorized every little Wayne song that's ever been made and in my effective episodes I just get so into you know the 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 lyrics and you know my outlet is you know I love to I, I'm not no rapper I'm not a professional rapper but I love to do it man I love music but there's a fine line between reality and, uh, you know, mental illness and what's actually taking place. But, um, you know, it, it, it's it's definitely it's definitely twisted. So like music is definitely one of my passions, but it's definitely one of my biggest triggers. So like when I start listening to a whole bunch of Little Wayne and this and that, I start to get the feeling that I am Jesus, that I am God, that I'm having these delusions come back. Even though I'm perfectly sane, I can still have those delusions that come back. They're called reoccurring delusions. So it's, it's definitely interesting. I don't want to be a rapper. I don't want to be a famous musician i just I just have those those uh delusions that you know me and little Wayne are connected, and we've been connected since birth, and his whole purpose was to find the the messiah and I, I think it's me it's it's very weird, and people are probably like, "What the fuck like they don't understand, but that's just my schizophrenia you know that's just that's just what i that's what I think is reality and and, and no one can tell me any different. but when I take my meds and I stay sober, staying sober is the ultimate the ultimate medicine that I can possibly do. You know what I mean? And, uh, and I, 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 I still believe that these things exist, but I'm able to live with them and, and I'm able to, to live a functioning life, you know, even right. with these, uh, strong delusions.
0: Right. And, and I was about to put you on blast, bud, and put you right on the spot and say, all right, the show and the stage is yours, Taylor, go ahead and spit those bars. But you know what I mean? Like it, it makes sense because I didn't know anything, you know. I, I no matter if we if we haven't talked in years or not, I still like to see what people are doing because I'm fucking nosy like that. I try to, st- I always stay in yeah. people's business, but it's it's good to see. Hey, what are people doing in life? Because not everybody gets to catch up with people, and and it all makes sense now to me from a standpoint of watching your videos because there are times in your videos where you talk, hey, I am Little Wayne, and now that you're explaining it, it all makes different. It all makes sense to me, and it all makes sense to me that you think Little Wayne is your God, and he's calling you to come be god with him and that's why you can relate to his songs um that that's a very very interesting man there's a lot of people out there that are going to listen to this and they just think you're out there singing to sing but really it's that voice in your head saying you you're little wayne little wayne's not little wayne um so i mean and it's 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 wild you know that you you have stuff like that and now transitioning we're going to come back to this but you were talking about being sober is the best thing for you What's something that triggers you that makes you from being sober to wanting to pick up a bottle, wanting to pick up the pills, wanting to snort cocaine, wanting to do whatever you want to do? What's something that would trigger you? Is there a guy on your shoulder saying, hey, bud, that bottle right there belongs in you? Or is it you just see something that you're like, fuck that, and it brings up a bad memory? What triggers you to go back to not being sober and and stuff like that?
1: Yeah. I mean that's that's definitely a touchy subject. And I had four years of sobriety at one point, best years of my life. Was in college, almost got a degree, you know, colon doing the deep, I was sober for four years. But I I my natural go to because I'm an addict is when I'm when I'm feeling discomfort, restless, irritable, and discontent in any type of way. Whether it's a good day, a bad day, whether I hit five thousand dollars on a jackpot or my girlfriend just broke up to me, my natural instinct is, Oh, a drink would be nice. Oh, smoking a joint would be nice taking a pill would be nice and you know what and, and being sober you know and, and just dealing with the addiction that I do you know I can't recall the pain and suffering of the psych wards and the jails and the medicines and the and the detoxes and the and I cannot bring forth when I'm tempted with a drink or a drug if I have no defense from if my god if I'm not in a steady relationship with my god of my understanding you know I, I will pick up that drink or drug because I just can't bring forth I cannot bring forth the memory of even a day of suffering ago. I cannot bring it forth to say no. And, and I would know where the drink or drug's going to take me. I know it's going to take me straight to freaking hell every time. But I don't have the power. I don't have the power to say no. And I wish I did. I'm beyond human aid. No human power. Frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices. I can't get sober for my daughter. I can't get sober for my mom. I can't get sober for my dad. I got to get sober because that's what God wants me to do. He wants me to be free, free of the bondage of self. Because my disease is so selfish and self centered. How fucking selfish is it to take a fucking drink knowing that it's going to cause my whole entire existence to fucking suffer? And I take the drink and it's over and over and over. To be honest, Jake, the only defense I got right now is a relationship with the God of my understanding as I see him. You know, that's the only thing protecting me from a drinker truck at this moment. And I've been sober for a little bit of time now, and I'm truly humbled. Because if I'm not humbled, I'll be humiliated over and over and over again.
0: Right, and, and you talk about that stuff, and you mentioned your daughter and you being a father, and, and that's what's crazy me because people that don't know you, they see two totally different sides of you. They see the Taylor who's back on his bullshit and the Taylor who's a loving father. And, you know, you had a daughter, I have, I don't know how old she is right now, but you had a daughter. Would that say that was probably, obviously to this day, probably one of your biggest achievements is becoming a dad because I know she's got to bring some, no matter how bad your day is, she's got to bring somewhat like a a light into your eye. How how awesome is it being a dad?
1: You know what? Like I said, I can't get sober for my daughter, but she is the biggest motivation I've ever had to get sober. She's my seed. She's the love of my life. I love her more than anything in this entire world. And you know, I'd always say I would die for her, but you know what? Now is the time that I that I take control of my mental illness, take control of my addiction, and it's time that I live for her. Because you know what? She needs a father in her life, and I'm determined and dead set, jet set on being the man that she needs me to be at all times, under any and all conditions. You know what? She's my biggest motivation, my biggest fuel. She's the love of my life, and, and being a father is the best thing that ever happened to me and, and truly truly my biggest motivation. It's her birthday she, she, in September. She's going to be six, and, you know, what I've missed out on most of her, her life due to my mental illness and my, my addictions, you know. So I, I have a lot of making up to do, and I'm going to be seeing her uh, within the next couple of weeks, and, you know, it's going to bring tears to my eyes when I hold her and give her that big hug. And she, you know, she's a daddy's girl. And she's been without her dad most of her life, but she she has this. We have this bond and this relationship that cannot be shaken.
0: Does that ever? You said something about getting emotional. Um, does that ever bother you? And I don't know if she does this, but does she ever ask you? You know, where have you been? You know, stuff like that. I mean, I know at only five years old, you know, there's you don't really have a full function of what's really going on. But you know, sometimes at that age, people see people come in and out of their lives. Has she ever? question as to where you've been and, and why you haven't been there or is that stage and question not been brought up yet
1: yeah she she's definitely with it i mean i'm i'm pretty intelligent her mom is definitely highly intelligent my daughter's my daughter's uh wise beyond her years man she knows that daddy has a mental illness she she doesn't quite understand it and grasp it but she she says this daddy drinks the soda and he gets cuckoo cuckoo <laughs> she just knows that, you know, she knows that something's off with me when I am off, you know, and she loves me unconditionally, but she's no dummy. I've been in, I've been in and out of rehab and, and mental health treatments and, and stuff for the past two years straight. You know, I haven't had drawn much of a free breath. I've uh, been battling my demons, but uh she's definitely with it. She understands and she knows that I'm trying my best and that I'm getting the help needed because when I come around, you know, she, it's just we don't miss a beat man we're we're right there we're we're playing sports we're we're enjoying each other's company and just loving loving uh, loving being around each other you know we just we have that relationship that can never be broken it's just it's just beautiful thing man
0: so with her growing up man that's got to be something special watching her do her thing and you said you know she's coordinated and she's good at everything she does you know um uh is she is she gonna be an athlete growing up or what do you what do you think because i know who i know who her mom is and her mom was a pretty good athlete obviously you have the dna and the genes and you um what's she looking like we looking at a first rounder sometime anytime soon or what, what What's she, what was,
1: <laughs> <you>? <laughs> yeah she's definitely gonna be something great and i'm gonna get i'm gonna put no pressure on her If she doesn't want to play sports she doesn't have to but she is she loves being competitive and she loves just being active, and you know, her mom was a Division One athlete, a uh, pitcher. And uh, on our first date, I was talking mad shit. She was a All State pitcher for uh, West Burlington. Actually, she was a lot younger than me. But uh, our first date was at the uh, the softball field at West Burlington. And I said I would I said I would go ya-ya on her. I said I would smash a home run all day every day. She struck well, your ass we, out, didn't she? Well, we 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 played we played for like a half an hour, and I maybe hit two foul balls. She threw such gas. I I couldn't even fucking get the bat around quick enough to even fucking touch your shit. I, I maybe made two foul balls in like a half an hour.
0: All right. So, so here, here brings me to my next, we're getting off topic here, but I have to ask this question. We had this debate all growing up and I still have this debate. I feel like if someone comes in and it's, a, I don't care if it's a pro if it's a pro pitcher for softball or baseball, I'm gonna hit. I'm gonna make contact on that softball. I don't think I'm gonna hit a little pea-sized thing going 90 miles an hour for baseball. But you see, in both, what do you think is harder to hit: a baseball hitting 95 or a softball at 70?
1: You know, I played high school with Dustin Guy, who's one of the best baseball players I've ever known, and he would throw. We would be. Uh, I would hit homers off him and stuff in practice. But I could not touch Alexandria Yacos fastball, riser, sinker, curveballs. I mean, she had she has the fucking gas, bro. And I wish she would have been able to pursue her career, but she ended up getting pregnant with my daughter and and had to and had to give up her gloves and her, her cleats. But uh, she was something she was something special. I mean, it, it was definitely the uh, it was going to be impossible to touch it i thought i was going to be able to you know hammer it but i couldn't even come close bro
0: (laughs) that's and i i I had that argument all the time i'm just saying if someone steps in i'm going yard on a softball but everyone's like dude it's a little bit tougher than you think but i guess i i I don't know i've i've i mean who knows i mean soft slow slow pitch softball is a little bit different i mean i go yard all the time on that but i don't know if i can touch it but no i just had to ask that question so you know you 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 do singing to help you out. You obviously love hanging out with your daughter. You know you lift weights, uh, which brings me to my next question. You know, you were a clean kid growing up. You know, I don't think your uh, parents have any tattoos, but if you look at you, you're tatted up all the way down your arms. Um, I don't have, know if you have anything on your legs, but you definitely have some face tattoos. Is is ink another thing that you kind of lean to when you're having a bad day, or you, do you just love the Love the feel of a needle. Where where does that ink come from?
1: You know, all my tattoos are God-inspired. You know what I mean? And, and I mainly get the tattoos in my manic episodes. But every tattoo I have on my body is inspired by uh, my Lord and Savior. You know, I got Kid Cuddy, Man on the Moon, uh, the album cover with my face in it. I got Parachute's Coldplay album. I got my ex-girlfriend Patricia on my arm. I got the whole Lion King sleeve because Walt Disney was a diehard Christian and most of his movies are loosely based off the Bible. I got a teardrop. You know, I don't really like to go into the detail with that, but the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. So I got a teardrop crying down to the cross. And then obviously I got the Fit Chef uh, on my forehead, um, you know, and, and still that delusion that I am Jesus. You know, I'm going to my next tattoo is going to be Lord of Lord and King of Kings on my thigh. Because when Jesus comes back in the Bible in Revelations it said he's gonna have a name written on his thigh and on his forehead, but on his thigh it's gonna say King of Kings and Lord of Lords and you know, I I, I firmly believe that, you know, that 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 God is, is the Alpha and the Omega and you know, if I if I'm not Jesus in the in the long run, if I'm not the modern day Jesus or the Messiah, you know what? being christ-like is all that i all that i want to do and i want to help the next person out you know and uh that's what my purpose is today in this life you know people look at me funny because i'm tatted from head to toe and i'm gonna get more i'm gonna ink my whole body as, as as uh as just uh they come but um you know it's it's definitely god inspired all my tattoos even though i might look like a hoodlum with the face pads and stuff but
0: yeah, if you if you didn't know you and you walked by me, I'm probably hiding my wallet. No, I'm just kidding, dude. Yeah, <laughs> um, definitely,
1: definitely. Um,
0: you know, and and that's that was going to bring me to my next point, but you kind of already answered that. You know, why do you have the face tattoos? And you kind of said, you know. God wept for us and has. And so that's why you have the tear on your face. You know, um, you're getting your next one on your side because that's where it was. He says it should have been that way in the Bible. Um, but what was, what's the whole, I know you're branding your fit chef brand. I mean, what's the whole fit chef on your eyebrow about though? Is that just something where another manic episode where God told you to place it there or you thought it needed to be there or how come, how come you got yeah. it where you got it there?
1: Um, it basically in one of my manias, I was inspired, and in, and when I when I am manic, I hear God's voice, and He talks to me, and He tells me, He gives me clear cut directions and guidance, even though I'm in these manias. And you know, when Jesus comes back, it says He's going to have a name written on His forehead that nobody knows, and I just came up with the, you know, why not put my my brand, my what people call me, my name on my forehead? So that's that's basically why I got my name, my nickname on my forehead, is because. Uh, in revelations it says he's going to have a name written on his forehead and i get when i get really into the bible when i'm manic i mean i i've pretty much read every bible in my life in my manias you know so it's it's definitely very uh sentimental to me but uh you know most people just think i'm some ego son of a bitch that you know is so high on himself and this and that but you know i'm probably the most misunderstood person you know and i i love everyone you know i'm not cocky i'm not I'm not boisterous or flamboyant, but in my episodes, I sure as hell am. But I, I just want people to know the real side of me. You know, I I'd give the shirt off my back to anyone, you know, I'd help anyone out. And, uh, I just love people. And, and, you know, I feel like I could make a big impact on addiction and do all these amazing things. You know what I mean? So my tattoos don't define me, but they they are a part of who I am as a person.
0: Right. No, that's, that's totally understandable. And we're going to switch a little bit gears now and let's, let's talk about your fit chef brand. I know, We talked a little bit about it uh, previously when I introduced you, but um you said you know fit nurse and i know who bo nelson is no free shout outs bo nelson send me a check because i'm naming you on this podcast no, i'm just <laughs> kidding but no Bo bo's bo's been a really good friend of mine too we haven't been in uh contact uh recently but i grew up with bo i know bo pretty well um bo's a pretty good dude um i i guess i didn't really know um he gave you that name that's kind of interesting he gave you that name but kind of talk about your fit chef brand i mean obviously we've been talking about it a little bit you're you're a you're a pretty in shape guy and you love to cook. So that kind of inspired it. But what are you really trying to do with that name? Where do you want to take it? Do you want to, I know you got some clothing brands out and we'll talk about it a little bit later on. And I'll give everyone the link to your website if you have one. And then obviously I'll give them your Instagram handle, but what do you, what's your vision for this fit chef branding? I mean, are you trying to be someone like a Portnoy where, you know, you're just trying to build it so big you create an empire or do you just kind of want to get the fit chef name out there and then they get to know you and you can help people with the mental health issue side of it or the lifting or the cooking side or all three. I mean, what are you exactly trying to do with this fit chef brand?
1: You know, for me, man, I'm glad you asked that question. You know, I still don't even know. I know it's a, it's a brand. It's going to be a company. Just It's just starting out. You know, I haven't had much, uh, clean time and sobriety even manifested into what it's going to be but I want to I want to just help people become their best selves life coach uh, sports coach I'm a personal trainer I have a culinary degree you know I want to you know I, I don't my goal is not to make money my goal is to make an impact and transform lives you know what I mean so you know if I can make a little career out of it you know you know my personal training my fitness coaching you know my my culinary skills, making meal preps and and plans for people, and I even want to do the meal prepping. You know, Fit Chef meal prepping. You know, I'd like to own a chain of gyms, personal training studios. I have a gym in my in my shop at my house right now with about twenty thousand dollars with of equipment, but I gotta I gotta start somewhere, man. And uh, the Fit Chef is just a way of life. It's just any anyone can be a Fit Chef. You know, anyone can be a trans a transformer. And I like I said, I've been transformed my whole life. I've been one hundred and eighty pounds shredded i 've been two hundred and forty pounds completely jacked. you know I just love transformations, I love being my best self and and finding purpose and and if I can give purpose to people you know uh, in any type of way in any any way shape or form, you know I want to do that man I want to make an impact that's that 's pretty much what my company is is about it 's not about the dollar it 's about Changing lives and being a an attract rather than promote. You know, I just want to attract people to Fit Chef. Huh? I don't want to promote anything,
0: right? More or less like an advocate to help people that are going through what you're going through, and not necessarily maybe have the schizophrenic and the bipolar, but people that are you know suicidal and depressed and everything like that. Anything, anytime you can be a helping hand, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Um, you want to do that, and you know we're gonna backtrack a little bit. We talked about, um, you know, some thoughts that you had going on during your episodes, and I, I, I didn't mean to leave this part out, but I kind of was waiting the right time to ask about it. You know, in your lowest time in your life, what, what were your suicidal thoughts? I mean, it was it another episode that you were happen or? what exactly was making you have those thoughts? Did you just not feel like you were good enough or that was just that guy on the shoulder again, tapping you saying, Hey man, Hey man, let's do this. What would what talk us through that?
1: You know, in my major depressive episodes and you know, I want to help anyone, you know, every single human being on this planet has some sort of struggle an obstacle a tragedy that they have to triumph over. You know what I mean? So if anyone can take something out of this, it's just, If you're you're having tragic things happen in your life, you can triumph over it. And my my suicide and my my depressions, you know, I didn't wish that upon myself. I didn't want to commit suicide. It's just I had a mental illness that was making me think about suicide. And, you know, it's weird because in depressions, the only comfort that I could get, the only relief that I could get from my depression was committing suicide and thinking about ways to commit suicide. And actually, it was relieving. know that I had a way out when I was feeling so dark you know there's so many you know you know famous people and celebrities and stuff that have committed suicide and dealt with depression you know and and they just have no way out and the suicide is is the easy and softer way you know that that they think the suicide is going to save them from the depression that they've gone through and you know that's not the case you know we don't really know what the case is but you know every life is so valuable and, and life is so short and precious that I would never wish uh, suicide upon myself or anyone that I care about. I know that they can uh, battle it and, and overcome it and, 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 uh, truly get relief. And that's all it was. I just wanted relief from the depression. That's the only reason I would ever be suicidal because I, I love life. You know what I mean? I don't want to die.
0: Right. Just everyone, everyone goes through those hard time struggles. And a lot of people think, you know, that's the only way out is just getting rid of those troubles. But in reality, I think you would agree with this. Um, the only way to really truly take on that is, is head on and trying to beat that and you're doing good, you know, you're, you're getting clean and and that's huge for you. So what's, what's the, um, um, let's go in a little positive light. Like what's the average day for King fit chef? You know, let's walk us through an average day of you. I mean, I know you split time between Iowa and down in Florida. Um, where are you at mainly? Cause you're still, are you running um, Gators full time or what's the deal with that? Uh, That is
1: going to be the plan. Uh, I'm actually headed back there uh, in the next couple of weeks and hopefully take that general manager position and, and just make my dad proud and, and build his legacy. Cause my parents are getting ready to retire, man. They're 70 years old. They're, they're ready to enjoy the beach house. And, you know, they're trying to pass the reins to me. If I can stay sane and sober, I'm going to, I'm going to be uh, running the show and I, I definitely want to make more Gators and, and take it one store at a time and, and manifest it into something truly great, you know, because it's a family restaurant, man. It, it's always been that way. Half sports bar, half dining room, you know, it's just, it just suits the whole fit chef personality, but a, a day in my life, you know, I wake up, I eat clean, I'm doing the egg whites, I'm juicing, you know, I I always train every day, you know, now, now that I'm sober, I, I always try to make an AA meeting, I love to work, I'm a workaholic, you know, that's, that's one of the main things that helps me stay sober, is just staying focused and active and being a productive member of society, you know, paying my bills and, and doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing, well, supposedly supposed to be doing, but I just feel good about myself, and you know, I just try to be uh, the altruistic movement, man. I just try to pass on what 's been given to me in this sobriety and and uh, you know I hit a lot of meetings sobriety support meetings um, i don 't promote any any certain way to get sober, but uh, any way you can do it, you can but you know i just I just love the support and the the brotherhood and the fellowship of other men trying to change their lives and and I, and I try to stay stay with those people that are trying to do do right by themselves you know
0: right, so when you 're down in Florida, what do you? exactly doing down there Are you still kind of just training and, and doing that side of things are you taking culinary classes or are you just hanging off mom and dad or kind of what are you doing down in florida
1: well actually to be honest i'm just i'm still in treatment i'm in a halfway okay. house down in south florida and now i'm just i took a, a day off vacation i went to my parents beach house and just wanted to enjoy the day you know what i mean but i'm almost done with treatment i have about 10 more days and then I, I complete and i graduate uh and then it'll be about i'll have about three months sober after this. And, you know, hopefully I have a lifetime of sobriety. You know, I'm really giving it my best shot my best effort. And, you know, by God's grace, you know, I can stay sober one day at
0: a time. Yeah. And I, I thought about something earlier today and I hate to backtrack, but I got to ask this question because I know this happened when we were younger. Um, you know, I asked you earlier on things that trigger you and and why you go into that certain stage of mind. You know, um, you said a a lot of it had to do with um, just sometimes uh, pressure you felt, also, all the supplements that you took because you, you weren't really knowing what you were taking, you were just taking it to try to get big. Um, you know. Sometimes people have an impact in life when they lose people. And I know you in high school, you lost two um, really, really close friends. And we don't got to say their names or nothing like that. But you lost two close friends to a car accident. Uh, oh,
1: God. Yeah. Um,
0: you know, did that have any type of impact on you?
1: Oh, my God. Uh, you know, rest in peace, rest their souls. I'm going to say their names, Ross, and Cara. forever live on. You know I mean? Ross was my absolute best friend as a child growing up. You know, they had that fatal car accident and, you know what? Uh, God rest their souls, and uh, they're forever my angels, and and everyone's angels. You know what I mean? They were amazing people, and their life was taken too soon. But that definitely had a big impact on me. I wouldn't say you know I, I went down a dark path because of that, but I'm just saying Ross was one of my best friends. Kara was a great friend too, and he was my childhood best friend. And and, and to lose him at such a young age, he had such a life. They had both had such a life, and and so much life to give, and. You know, they were taken too soon. But uh, even in my episodes, I've actually people don't believe me or this or that. I don't really speak on it much. But Ross has came to be in one of my episodes and I've had a conversation with him. And, you know, he's definitely, definitely my angel and definitely given me so much life and hope and and, and desire and drive. You know, I have a lot of people that have died and and I feel like they're uh, my aunt being one of them. I was very close to her because she suffered from depression, too. And, uh, you know, they're my angels and I've spoken with them, you know, after, after death, you know, and, and I, I don't know if it's my schizophrenia or what, but I hear their voices. I've seen them, you know, it's, it's just definitely, it's definitely um very, very uh rewarding knowing that I, that I, there's life after death and you know, I'm going to see these people once again, one, one day.
0: Yeah. And, and you know what, uh, that, that was a very, very sad story and I hate to bring it up, but I I felt like that's something I just had to let people know too, because everyone's got to hear the full story. If we're going to talk about why we are, who the people that we've made are, and you know, you got to give a guy like you a lot of respect, you know, uh, Taylor, because, not a lot of people would come on here and share their story and that takes a lot of courage to do that and, um, you know, Lastly, you know, what is your message for everybody out there, man, that, that wants to, I, I would imagine the first thing's got to be admit that you have a problem, which you obviously have done. You've done that way before coming on this show, but, and going to get help is the second step. But what is the, in your opinion, what's the third and final step? Is that just being true and trying to stay so, because we know what happens and you know, you know, this well as I do, you can leave that home like you did right now you're on this podcast with me i'm keeping you sane i'm keeping you sober but what happens when you step out of your beach house and you can go get any drug or any drink you want in your life what's what's really the ultimate goal to say okay i've admitted i have a problem i've seek to go get a problem now i'm going to stay on the path and the right structural way to you know not ever go through this thing again you know what's your message out there and how you can do that
1: you know, I don't promote any kind of I, I'm all about attraction. You know what I mean? And and what what the, the best thing that I can possibly do, the medicine that I can take, you know, the literature that I read for sobriety says that the manic depression or the mental illness, people that have addiction are the least understood. And a whole chapter could be written about those type of people. But they said they have the capacity to recover if they have the capacity to be honest with themselves. So honesty is key. Being thoroughly honest with yourself, being open minded. Just just having that 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 aura, that aura about you that you're just you're open minded to anything that will help you and being willing, willing to go to any length under any and all conditions to fight for your sobriety. And the, the biggest thing that I can say for me is that my God is doing for me what I can't do for myself. He he's pulled me out of the gates of hell and my relationship with him is the is the best medicine that I can take. And my God works through people. Like you said, I'm sober now talking to you. That's because God is working through us. God is, God is, God is the alpha and omega. He's, he's making this, he's making the,
0: what you're saying is he's making this episode happen right now because he wants this episode to happen. If he didn't want this episode to happen, he wouldn't let it happen. And you'd probably be doing off something else. Is that kind of correct? What you're saying?
1: Nothing in my God's world happens by mistake. Right.
0: And and that's, that's important that, you know, there, and I'll be the first to admit this. And I hope people don't really, you know, crucify me for this. You know, I've never personally ever been a, a really, really big firm believer, but seeing, seeing the, seeing what I go through and things that come to me in life, you know what I mean? It's, it definitely certainly makes me start to think a little, little bit more about really what's going on upstairs, you know, and, and the things that I've kind of struggled with, like I stated earlier, like having alcohol problem and, and all that other stuff. And, Um, It certainly makes me wonder and think, and, you know, you got a lot of things going for you. You know, you got your brand, you got a company to run that you're going to get, you know, hopefully passed. I don't know if passed down is the right word, but your parents are going to let you take over that. You know, there's no reason for someone like you to not be successful. As long as you can, you know, keep your mind straight, focused and on task, you can you can do anything you set your mind to. And I think that's kind of what your whole message is has been about this whole podcast is, is going through adversity, admitting you have a problem, staying on track and you can overcome anything you want, even with, even with those demons.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I I believe that anyone, anyone in this world has a deep fundamental idea of what, what a God is. We've been seeking God since the beginning of man, before Jesus, before anything. people have been seeking God. And it's just that hole that needs to be filled. And, and no materialistic thing can fill that hole for me. No money, no woman, no, no car, no family member. The only thing that can fill that, that giant sized hole in my soul is my higher power, my spirituality. You know, I'm not religious by any means. I'm not any, I'm not, uh, you know, uh, you know, if people ask me what religion I am. I'm a I'm a Rastafarian, Buddhist, Jew who <laughs> likes Catholicism. Who likes Catholicism? You're a you know mix I mean? Yeah, I'm free. You know, and I, I love I just love spirituality. And I think anyone can tap into that power. And you know, when I find God, it's deep within myself, deep within my soul. You know, I'm not searching for for God anywhere else but deep within. And I feel like He works deep within all of us. You know, whether we're agnostic or atheist. I think the fundamental idea of God is in everyone, no matter what you believe or what your
0: beliefs are. Right, absolutely. Well, you know, Taylor, we're going to wrap it up with this. Um, you know, this was an awesome episode, and I do greatly appreciate you. Finally, I've been trying to track you down for months, trying to get you on here, and I have a better understanding as to why we can never make it work, and it, it just finally took a higher power to get us two together. You know, you got a, like you said, you got your Fit Chef brand um, going out. You have your certification. so. What I'm gonna kind of do is I'm gonna let everybody know he has an Instagram. It's KingFitChef, all one word. That's his Instagram. Go check him out. And Taylor, the floor is yours to give any more of your advice. Also, give um, any of your other handles that you may have. Your Facebook, your any anything that you feel is necessary to reach out to you if people ever want to talk. Um, and um, the floor is yours, man. So go ahead.
1: You know, Jake, it was an absolute honor being on your show. I actually haven't had the opportunity to listen to any other podcast, but it was such a pleasure, you know, talking with you and rehashing some things and hopefully we can rekindle our friendship. And, you know, to anyone out there listening, just know that no matter what tragedies are happening in your life, you can triumph, you know, and, and the God of my understanding, as I, as I see God has all power, he has all power. May you find him now, you know, and uh, you don't have to be religious to to find a, a relationship with, 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 with uh, the power of the universe, spirit of the universe. He, he can he can transform and do anything because he has all power and uh, just keep the faith. If you're whatever struggles you're going with, you can get through them. Just reach out for help. You know what I mean? Just 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 tell somebody. You know, just talk with talking with somebody. You know, letting them know what you're going through. People people probably have been through some similar things. So just never give up and keep the faith. Keep the hope. Keep the strength. Keep the altruism just keep that, keep that positive energy going. And, and life is so short, man. We could, I could die and have a brain aneurysm right now. You know, you never know when your time is your time. So just, just be kind and, and love people. And, and, you know, Jake, it's just, it's just been an absolute honor being on your podcast, man. I, I hope, I hope somebody, if I help one person to, today, if I help one individual that's struggling with something, you know, maybe realize that they can get through something, you know, that, that, that's, that's God working in my life.
0: And that's awesome, man. And, dude, we're definitely going to have to catch up. And whether you want to come out to Dallas, Texas, or I come down to Florida, we'll make something happen anytime soon. And, man, I really appreciate you coming on my show. And um, we're going to wrap it up here. So I appreciate it, Taylor. Thank you, buddy.
1: All right, man. Have a good one, Jake.
0: All right. See you. Bye. Man, everybody, that was Taylor Day, aka King Fit Chef. Man, the guy's been through a lot of adversity in his life, and it, it really, truly does take a a man to talk about his problems. and I, And I wanted him on because. The kid I knew growing up is not the same kid or man, I should say he's 30 years old, not the same man I know today. And, you know, with everything that's going on in this world and so much depression and mental healthness, and and, and everything like that, I just felt like it was someone like him could come on here and kind of share his story and, and get it out as to what it takes to try to overcome those demons. And do everything in your power and sometimes what we don't understand is okay to not understand you know he was talking about hey I'm sober but and I haven't done anything but I still wake up and I have these demons that I fight every day and us as people, I know I certainly don't understand it. I'll probably still never understand it, but it gives you a very, very good perspective as to um, what someone like that is going through. So if you guys know of anybody that needs help, you know, reach out to them. It, it takes five seconds out of someone's day to just text them and say hi. You know, we, we're all busy with our lives growing up. We're all busy with our families. We're all busy with jobs. We're all busy doing a lot of other things. But, you know... If we would have taken five seconds out of our day to say hi to somebody or I love you or I hope you're having a good day, that might save a life. Um, And, you know, that's that's really what it's all about. And this is this is the uh, 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 the heart coming out of daddy right now. You know, you never like seeing people struggle. I've had my personal struggles. Everybody knows what I've gone through. But, you know, I've overcome Everything I've been through, you know, if you would never know, I could write a book on everything I've been through and people would never know. And it's it's just about talking about it and getting everything off your chest. So I hope you guys enjoy that this episode. And, you know, we've done a lot of things in our lives, boys and girls. We've, we've gotten drunk on the podcast. We've gotten high, a little high on the podcast. We've done a lot of different things. If there's one thing we've always done around here, we've whammo, we've stayed unguided.